Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Jim and Tomics. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I bailed on that one. I was like, I was like let's try something new. Let's go with this. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theatre Happy Hour. I'm Tommy. And I'm Jimmy. And this is the only musical theatre podcast with theatre wings. And Sazerac slings. Here, we take apart your favourite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theatre conversation. Jimmy, what are you drinking today? Today, I'm drinking Beetlejuice. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I thought for a while, and I was like... Look, there's an obvious thing here. It's in the title. <laughs> you just have to say it. But depending upon how you spell it, it's not in the title. Um, no, I'm which... spelling it the <laughs> phonetic way. I would... <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you've got a quiz question for us because no one knows what I musical we've been I couldn't. I couldn't possibly guess. Um, well, let's find out. Let's pull back the curtain. <laughs> um, Sammy Davis Jr. was originally slated to originate... Oh, I don't like that double original. We should have picked up on that. Was originally <laughs> slated to originate this role in its pre-musical incarnation. Who knows if the show would have been such a runaway success were it more Rat Pack in style. Tommy, what could that possibly be? Uh, probably the one and only... Beetlejuice. <laughs> hey folks, begging your pardon. Excuse me, sorry to barge in. Now let's skip the tears and start on the whole, you know, being dead thing. You're doomed. Enjoy the singing. The sword of Damocles is swinging. And if I hear your cell phone ringing, I'll kill you myself. The whole being dead thing. Death can get a person stressed. Way more deals. Now we're never gonna see them. I can show you what comes next, so don't be freaked. Stay in your seats. I do this bullshit like eight times a week. So just relax, you'll be fine. Drink your $50 wine and take a breath. Did you know? Uh, I learned this, or uh, my my boyfriend thought this up while we were watching the movie the other night. Um, mm-hmm. Beetlejuice originally spelled like the star could be mispronounced yes. Beetlegeist, which rhymes with Edelweiss, <laughs> which then naturally leads into the song Beetlegeist. Be anyway, 
That's one of those jokes. <laughs> <laughs> really, really funny to me. At like really, at really night. funny ones. Yeah, really, really funny ones. Um, yeah, Beetlejuice, Tommy. What a current, current, fresh, closed because we can only talk closed. about shows that are closed. R. Exactly. Beetlejuice. Um, yeah. So, hey, music and lyrics by Mr. Eddie Perfect of Australia fame. Yes. Um, who also wrote the other monster musical of king kong <laughs> and a book by scott brown and anthony king who are some comedy writers from tv and of yeah. course based on the cult classic michael keaton tim burton film of the yeah. late 80s um, like one of the first big tim burton moments right i mean i would say that, it like, is when you secured his style it was post um Wee's big adventure but certainly the first time we see certainly the first time we see like the tim burton stripes Mm. Um, back back before it was a style and just when it was uh uh you know a choice <laughs> and we don't really do Wee herman over here we've he's never really crossed the pond oh fascinating yeah i, I think so. you i think you would enjoy Wee herman's big adventure great adventure grand day out i don't know it doesn't matter yeah i would love it <laughs> um well hey the musical that it was adapted from uh opened up on broadway after a washington triad um in april 2019 had a fun little life and then closed yes uh in the... well it closed for maybe two reasons yeah <laughs> or like had two closings who knows um what, yeah, what a, obviously... a, a poor victim of happenstance exactly exactly but it was due to close um on the 6th of june or transfer we'll talk about it or transfer yes tbd um but hey beetlejuice you want to talk us through it? Sure. Beetlejuice is a bio, bio exorcist. He helps out recently dead Adam and Barbara uh, deal with people who just moved into their house. Lydia's a goth teen. Uh, eventually she can see Beetlejuice and then, I don't know, chaos ensues. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's rip-roaring. Um, the kind of linchpin of, of the story is um, sort of Lydia's grief um, over her mum, yes. who's just recently died, and her father's kind of denial of that. Um, and she kind of enlists uh, Beetlejuice to to kind of help her with that problem. Yes, and um, then in a bizarre and ham-fisted act two raising of stakes, she also needs to get married to Beetlejuice. She does at one point need to get married to Beetlejuice, yes, because he needs to become alive, which right. is a new thing. Right, yes. For a new musical. raising of stakes. Poor, well, I would say poorly explained, but no better explained than Beetlejuice's motivations in the movie. Hey, we can't get into analysis in the introduction, Charlie, Fair. so let Sorry. us begin the episode. <laughs> let us begin it right now. Dead mom. It sounds like you got beef. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I will say, I, and I think if you listen back, because we we talked about Beetlejuice briefly in our Tony's episode from last yes, year. Yes, yes. Um, and the I I try to not be too cynical about shows that are currently open, um, because I think that's unfair to them. Um, mm -hmm. I will say since that time, I think I've come around a little bit to Beetlejuice. Um, yeah, I like portions of this show. Um, I think it's it, a good laugh. Sure. It's, it's very funny. Um, yeah. the book is hilarious. 
Yeah. Um, and it has some clever... I was thinking about this um, uh, when I was re-listening to it maybe yesterday, and mm-hmm. it was around the rhyme uh, terracottery and pottery, um, mm-hmm. which is, I think, clever, but awkward in a way that like Sondheim wouldn't write but would appreciate. Um, yeah, okay, that's cute. Which I think is a, a, an interesting new trend that, I don't know, it's, it's like the, the germ of a seed of an idea of like this new trend of musical theater, like forced rhymes that's, mm-hmm. that don't feel um, shoehorned. Yeah, okay, I know what you mean by that. I know what you mean by that. I, I would agree that I've kind of come more around to it. I think at the time, in Tony time, mm-hmm. um, I was feeling very highbrow because Hades Town. Right. Um, and uh, very anti-franchisey uh, adaptation. Yeah. Um, but you kind of appreciate a thing for what it is when you study it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the journey I've gone on with, with Beetlejuice here. Because um, actually, I do want to just talk about at the start, like, um, it as an adaptation of a film. Yeah. Um, because really, it's it's not the film. No. It is the the character of Beetlejuice. Well, not even. Did you have you watched or did you grow up with the Beetlejuice animated series? I actually did watch it. Yeah, yeah, me too. And it was that was my first exposure to the Beetlejuice franchise before oh. the movie. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. No, I I saw the movie like far too young, and it was sure. very scared by it when I was wee. But sure, of course, of course, as you would be. But the oh. the the animated series is such a rehashing of. I mean, <laughs> anything that the movie plot holds dear. Totally. Yeah, it's a buddy comedy. Right. Um, and I think the, the musical takes inspiration from both, or just, or seems to have followed the same path that the animated series did down the adaptation rabbit hole. Yeah, I would say so. I think it's just it, the film, like, Beetlejuice is only in the film for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which is famously a, a thing. Right. Um, but obviously for this they've realized hey he's the interesting one here let's let's go into this a bit more um and obviously when you're taking something onto a stage Mm -hmm. for theater it's all about the storytelling you want to delve into the characters and their story yeah um so yeah i think that they've been smart about this and i think they've they've decided hey we need to find a story within this kind of playful craziness that is the film right um and yeah, I think that was really, really smart. And I think, um, actually, I think for the most part, they've done it pretty well. Yeah, I think it's it's a well. I think they're lucky in the in that they're very lucky that the thing they're adapting is Beetlejuice, um, mm. for a couple reasons. Because I think first they're able to use the character Beetlejuice as like the lampshader around the whole thing you know mm-hmm. right after the introduction song he immediately is like wow a ballad and such a departure from the original source material yeah which is funny but also very very clever to be like hey look if you're looking for the movie this ain't it kid like um and you you know harold hill can't do that like <laughs> exactly you, you can't do that with every protagonist but beetlejuice can um, yeah, I think that's part um, of it. And then there's a lot of like quite authentic um, comparisons to mm. Deadpool. Yes, yeah, which I think is very apt. Like yep. that, that makes a lot of sense because it is that instant fourth wall breaking, constant fourth wall breaking. Yeah, um, and constantly 
irreverent. It was what was surprising to me in rewatching the movie, which I hadn't watched since maybe I was a teenager. Mm. Coming back at it after the musical, I I had created this false memory of Michael Keaton breaking the fourth wall in the movie, and he doesn't. There's no. a there's a lot of really creative ways that he is, he does subvert the like in world media he's a part of, like when he, whether he talks through the TV or like has some of these other moments that is has the same flavor of him just talking to the audience in the musical, but it is mm-hmm. subtly but importantly different that the movie doesn't know it's a movie, but the musical does know it's a musical. Yeah, Which or is, certainly Beetlejuice, you know, I mean, does right. like yes. yeah. Um, yeah, so I think um, to kind of look at the story that it tells um, in contrast to them, because that's the thing, if you're not, if you're listening and you're not familiar with the musical, but you are with the film, um, it's probably worth knowing where that goes. So um, it really focuses in a lot more on to Lydia mm-hmm. um, and her story and her kind of relationship with her dad. Yeah. Um, and it, it gives me, weirdly, it gives me Casper vibes. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> right? Because of that, like, similar father-daughter relationship where there's this distance. Yeah. And daughter's a bit gothic and moody. Sure. And friends are dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I was well, kind of getting like, this and, is nice. This is kind of like Casper. And even um, the, the thought about, like, that there there are rules to the dead that we don't need to expand upon beyond the needs of the plot, but that this is a, a universe where... There are, you know, certain boundaries and certain guidelines to what being dead are, and they're not what you think they are. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I feel like you could have a really fun crossover between Casper and Beetlejuice. I, you know, um, I a bet bit you, like the Beetlejuice that this world does. I bet you it's happened. <laughs> it probably has. But I just like the idea of I can't remember his name, but um, Christina Ricci's dad. Yeah. Um, who's like a, he's a um, psychotherapist to ghosts right. and to the dead. Yeah. I love that. That, that. that fits right into Beetlejuice, doesn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, it's these, these child-focused discussion of death pieces of media, I think, are fascinating. Yeah, um, totally. Especially because there is this... You know, they they always approach it from this way about like we don't talk about death enough. Let's talk about death, but in a funny way. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is fair because I think if it wasn't funny, right, it'd be a long, long two hours. Yes, yes, <laughs> you know I mean? it would be. Well, um, and it does. You know, the musical even more so than the movie is. Uh, it lies to you in how serious it's going to be about death. Um, yes. As as a story plot, it's like, hey, get ready. This is a show about death ha 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 spooky but like it's not really um no there's lots of dead people in it right but not even there's in the musical there's two three if you include beetlejuice we never see her mom yes uh-huh. um yes. there's the implication there we only see you know two characters die and it's comical um uh-huh. you know even more so in the musical than it is in the movie where it is a little ominous in the movie um yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like, I, I think that it is an interesting uh, uh, narrative choice there to pretend to be more serious about it than you are as a storytelling device. Yeah. But I think I think that's good because it does, it does allow you to then take um, Lydia's story and her relationship with her dad a bit more seriously yeah. than if it was, like, it's not just, like, true farce right. that we're coming into here. Like, there are moments of pathos. Um mm 
that you need to get on board with. And yeah, it was quite interesting. So apparently um, the composer, um, Eddie Perfect, he had a lot of conversations with his wife Mm -hmm. um, who had lost, uh, I think, her mother quite young Mm -hmm. um, and sort of basically took a lot of inspiration from her and her story and this idea that when you're young, Mm -hmm. um, adults know that you're upset and confused but don't know how to handle that. So the way that they do it is by ignoring everything right. and just getting on with things. And that's where this idea of becoming invisible and being like, you know, no one can see me um, because I'm grieving and yeah, I don't know how to process this. Because uh, And I think that's really smart in the way that they combine that with Beetlejuice of... Yeah. Uh, who is also invisible just because he's a demon right um and that's just his lot in life that he can't, he can't yeah. be seen but that kind of juxtaposition is actually quite smart and it really links um those two characters together yeah. from the get-go and you can see them going on this little journey together yeah well and it it does give a good because the other part that i think they downplay in the musical that is upplayed a little bit more in the movie is like uh lydia's suicidal ideation um which I still, even in the musical, I find I find discussion of teenage suicidal ideation a difficult topic to yeah. make light of. Um, I'm glad it, it is downplayed more than uh, it is in the movie, where she says, you know, she she like very actively is like, listen, I want to be dead, um, you know, and I, I think we we get past that pretty quickly in the musical. Um, yeah, we do. It isn't it's not labored. At right. all, really. And so you need some other motivating tend- tendency behind her and ha- tying her to Beetlejuice with this, you know, invisible problem um, yeah. is, is a good, better substitute for that sort of thing. Yeah, totally. So I think, like, as, as the story goes, um, it is quite... It is just quite well done. Like, it's not... It's nothing too crazy deep and it's nothing too, um, you know, groundbreaking in terms of yeah the source material you know i mean it's not going to go away changing your life but um you're on this journey and you don't feel out of place Mm -hmm. at all i would say um i think some of the kind of climax moments are a little bit rushed yeah but i think yeah i I think act Act two like like a lot of adaptations act two has some problems um and part of it is because you know i think this is the same it's the frozen problem as well is you have Mm. a song that you have to end act one with right (laughs) You have to end Act One with Deo, yeah. uh, because it's the song everyone is expecting to hear. But that leaves you with very little plot to deal with in Act Two. Yeah, that then you have to kind of. I mean, that's literally the end of the film, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it happens so quickly after that yeah. point, um, and so without reshuffling the plot too much, you gotta inflate some things that aren't previously inflated. Exactly. How do you how do you feel about the the re the recentering of the protagonist around Lydia? I think it's interesting to be honest. Um, from the film, right? Mm-hmm. She's not an iconic character. Yeah. To me, like, obviously, Winona Ryder does her so well. Right. Um, but she was never the one that I remember right. from the film. It's, it's, it's all about Beetlejuice and the Maitlands. Yeah, it's um, so so much about the Maitlands. Like they're they're the ones with the conflict and the problem and the struggle. Right, and you've really like you you feel so much for them, mm-hmm. um, and I really love in the film the again the kind of weird juxtaposition of these really um, twee like uh-huh. happy couple yeah. and these ridiculous 
you know when they go into the netherworld and um uh-huh. or in the waiting room and so like it's just it's totally nuts yeah um and really really funny um but i think what is tricky in the musical with mm-hmm. that is that from the start mm-hmm. It's a wacky world. Right. Right? You're in the wacky world to begin with. Right. Um, with all the Tim Burtonness and everything like that, you don't really get the right. nice domesticity, even when the house uh yeah. is painted as such. It's right. still wacky. Yeah, like um, the, the movie takes a good twenty five minutes of like some quaintness, you know, meeting the yeah. real estate neighbor, driving to the store and the barber, like kind of murmuring to himself, like there's this whole bucolic town they're trying to set up. Absolutely. And it's still it's still a bit off. Like there's still something a bit off kilter in the kind of I don't know, it's got that Rocky Horror vibe. Yeah. Um B movie vibe. Uh but it, it still it still feels normal. That right. things are natural here. Um whereas nothing's really natural in the musical ever. Yeah. Um so the Maitlands in the musical, I think, are a bit of an issue. Yeah. I see them as a problem pair because um they you need them. Right. Right? You do need them, absolutely. Yeah. But who are they? Right. Well, and they're such caricatures of themselves. I think yeah. one, of, one of the big struggles, and I actually have this with the movie as well, is like the, the Maitland's progression is that like they're not good at haunting, right? And they finally have this great idea to do this weird Deo, pos- you know, possessional conga line shrimp hand moment right and this is gonna be their haunting and then it backfires in a way that it makes like oh what a delightful haunting sort of thing and that is funny but i i find that reaction to it incongruous like it it is funny because the (laughs) the maitland's idea of the scariest thing that could possibly happen to you is that you uncontrollably start singing a harry belafonte song exactly that is a really funny thing and they don't Neither the movie nor the musical dives into that as explicitly as I want them to. Yeah. I think with the movie, it, again, it's so surreal and bonkers. Um, more, I think a lot of it is because they're not singing it. Right. And again, this is another issue with the film. Uh, the musical, sorry. Um, like, it's, it's literally ha- Harry Belafonte's voice. Right. Coming out of Catherine O'Hara's mouth. Like, that's <laughs> so that's funny. funny. It's that's re- really silly. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a good laugh. And then when they all start dancing and having a good time, it's like, is this, what's scary here? Do you know right. what I mean? And that, again, right. is is classic Maitland's. Right. Um, whereas, yeah, in the musical, it's supposed to be Mannequin because it's building up to the, the Beetlejuice haunt. Right. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. What do you think about the movie songs being in the musical? I mean, I feel like... The thing I the thing I forgot in rewatching the movie is that it does also start with daylight come and me like it, in the title credits before uh-huh. the Danny Elfman song even comes in, and so it is kind of bookended by these, you know, by Belafonte. Um, I think if they weren't in the musical, it wouldn't have succeeded. Not be- because people would have been like, "Where is it?" You know, in, yeah. in in the preview of First Wives Club, they didn't get the rights to yeah, "You Don't know, Own Me," I and it I think it flopped because of that. Oh, um, I think we we do we talk about this quite a lot with this, and it is it's like any yeah. big franchise right. fi- uh, film to musical right. will always have this song, whether it's "I'm a Believer" from Shrek, exactly. Like you, it's it's it has to be in there. Um, but I do. I, I don't know. It's weird. I think I think one of the 
difficulties is because they're going with the musicals going with more of a cartoony Beetlejuice than a Michael Keaton Beetlejuice. Mm. His hauntings, both I think at the end of Act One and especially during Do You Hear That Sound, mm. are wacky and silly and like cream pie in the face sort of stuff. Whereas in the movie, you know, he turns into a terrifying snake and like mm. drops people from two stories and like, you know, almost kills or probably does kill Robert Goulet. Like, and so that is in contrast to the Maitland's Haunting of Deo. Whereas in the musical, well, oh, it's, you know, oh no, it's a big stage oh. illusion of a giant face. It certainly looks and a great, but right. yeah, it's just like, there's stuff, let's run away. Right, there's not a big difference between his hauntings and, you know, Deo, um, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, also it's not the kind of show where, like, I, I, I think that sort of thing would improve it, but also it's a show that, doesn't need to try that hard to do some of this sort of stuff so i don't know if it would be wasted energy to try and make beetlejuice feel a little more evil yeah well because that's the thing is like the original washington tryout um was quite famously too crass too out there too left field obviously they didn't do any of that that right. was all still the same but um yeah their attempt at going extreme mm-hmm. flopped yeah um so obviously on broadway where we're you know happy right. and everything's fab yeah. um that would never go down you know what i mean that would not work at all right so i think i think yeah i think they made the right decision but i agree with you it doesn't have the payoff right. um yeah i think the the movie songs i don't there's just something to, because it's they don't make any sense right like and they've shoehorned in the sonora thing with like mom used to listen to this yeah and i wish they hadn't done that 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 bothered me like you don't need to it's out of nowhere it's a song mm-hmm. you know if you if you absolutely must have the maitlands listening to it on a record when they're alive yeah right and just a bit and take it off the record and that's why they cuz they're the ones who make the song anyway right yeah like as you know un this was a, a thought I did have between the movie and the musical, and I do think it's something about Beetlejuice the movie and movies from that era, like the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. Peop- we wouldn't make Beetlejuice the movie the same way today because movies today have to explain things more. Mm-hmm. I think especially comedies, but all sorts of movies nowadays are much more hand-holdy. Um, like the thought I had in rewatching it, there's a point where, um, they're in the, in the netherworld or wherever, whatever they call it in the movie. One is the afterlife mm-hmm. and the other is another world and I can't, can never keep them straight. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, they stumble over the door with like the, you know, the lost souls and the janitor is like, that's where dead people go to die. And if they made the movie again today, when, um, uh, the Maitlands are, you know, dying on the dining room table, that janitor would show up again and be like, oh, it's, they're dead and they're going to die again and it's spooky and like would explain like, yeah, the, the thing we foreshadowed in the beginning, it's going to happen. Yeah. And they, they don't even bother. They don't even, no one says anything about like, oh yes, clearly this is bad for them. They don't even explain that it's bad for them. They just show you that maybe this isn't the best situation that they're crumbling. Yeah, exactly. That was the bit that always scared me when I was right. wee was when they went, oh God. I yeah, but they don't like, you know, I don't think Lydia even says anything along the lines of like you're gonna you know you're gonna make them go away or kill them or whatever you know verbiage we want to use there like yeah. i mean like, it's, it's th- that the kind of exorcist like this is actually an exorcism right 
like is the, totally right. Like but, it's a but jungle. the whole movie, you know, like when they whenever uh, they leave the house and end up in this weird desert land, they don't belabor what it is or why it's bad. And movies nowadays would do that because mm. I don't know if it's an audience expectation or just a way that Hollywood has moved. But you see some of that expectation in this musical that we have to justify, like, here's why Deo is going to come back. Oh, it was mom's favorite song. Yeah. You know, we have to build a tighter plot for audiences. And I don't know if that's the best thing. Exactly. That's the thing, though. I'm just like, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to that musical expecting to hear those songs. I really wouldn't because yeah. I'm like, how the hell would that make any sense? Yeah. It's a soundtrack. It's literally Dale may be a bit different, right? But um, the the last the jump in the line, yeah, like it's just funny because it's Winona Ryder flying about, like, right? It could be anything. Just make it a fun song, right? Like, I really, I'm not going to see it for that. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I just it, 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 it is me. and it's, it's an annoying trend. Yeah, but in it these is franchises. But these are the things you see in franchises. It's you know, it's the Glenn Coco problem, right? Mm. Like, if it is anything that is iconic about the movie, you're stuck including it. There, in the same way that there has to be a sandworm. There's no gigantic bizarre sandscape <laughs> in the musical, but you have to no. have the sandworm because people, you know, is that is as I maybe not as iconic, but is so attached to the Beetlejuice but franchise. I think the I think with the sandworm, they actually integrated that quite well because it was yeah. this kind of like otherworldly threat. But to make because it's a musical, and then right. to choose your fin not even anything your finale, right, right as this song, yeah. No. And I get, like, to give them credit, like, they did integrate. Yeah. Uh, I think they do a fine job. And, they're, you know, about they're, the lucky reprise, that, but... they're lucky that Daylight Come and Me Want to Go Home is, is close enough to a moral that kind of might be a little bit associated with the plot that they're trying to have. I mean, sure. But <laughs> come on. That is, they're not story singing at that point. Why right. are you singing it in a Jamaican accent? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... If if it's gonna be a story song, make it a story song. I yeah. don't know. It it annoys me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just to because I don't actually think I finished the point. To bring it back to the Maitlands, um, I think really they're the only thing that that doesn't work for me in mm -hmm. terms of the the book. Yeah. Um, because they've got two big songs, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, like themselves, and then another kind of big one with with Beetlejuice and. At no point are they the main characters. No, no. Right, and I mean they have like the I want song position. Right, you know, that's what's crazy. Right, um, but they're not your protagonist. Please don't ever think they are. You know, it, it's exactly. it's a weird yeah. treatment that yeah. they have, and I don't quite know where they sit. No, and so by the end, I'm not really emotionally engaged. And like you said, with the exorcism, when it's like, oh, she might go and and die. You're like, okay. Right. I don't I didn't really care <laughs> like, much about her. Well, and even like, you know, Barbara 2.0, you get to the end of that song and you're like, how was that so terribly different from who you are at the beginning? Like Right. Ex ex exactly. It's like you you're also she doesn't really do anything different. No. Neither of them really do. There, um, there's no there's no payoff for them no, declaring yeah. that they're going to be, you know, less suburban and white. Except because it's Lydia who solves the final problem. Like right. Lydia is the one who gets rid of Beetlejuice. It's not the Maitlands. Yeah, she barely even uses 
like gets their help like it's, it's just yeah exactly it's, it's that kind of classic adaptation issue of we need them don't know what to do with them yeah will this work and i don't know i don't know if it does um but at the same time if they weren't in it it'd be really difficult right well and here's here's the thing and here's the question i have and i think beetlejuice is kind of uniquely positioned in this way mm-hmm. because it is an adaptation where there are a bunch of diehard fans for the original thing but yeah. i don't think beetlejuice the musical appeals to like the michael keatonites of the world right and i think that is a fascinating thing as far as adaptations come because frozen certainly does right all the other like franchise you know spongebob certainly does like you you you, this is why people want to build off of franchises is Mm -hmm. to capitalize on the pre-existing fan base and i don't i don't think that beetlejuice didn't set out with like i think the creators also set out with that in (laughs) mind but have kind of stumbled into a a world where they found a, a different fan base they found a different world or it didn't matter as much which is interesting massively um yeah i think that the main thing is there is that um disney is mass appeal right spongebob is mass appeal um what they had with beetlejuice was a cult movie yeah yeah you know a really deep cult. it's the same kind of treatment as heathers Mm -hmm. um where it's like not everyone will really have seen this film right and uh sure it is iconic as hell yeah uh and in many ways it could easily be adapted but um yeah neither of those audiences i don't think would be flocking to see a musical right do you know what i mean to see the the thing that they love right in a musical well, um and it does like that lets you play a little faster and looser with what you're adapting because you don't have the you know angry comic book nerd walking exactly. out at the stage door being like, oh, Michael Keaton was only in the movie for 20 minutes, but, you know. Right. Juice was on stage the thing the is, beginning. I feel like anything I've read, any sort of anything, is nobody talks about the fact that it's a different story. Right. No, I mean, nobody talks about the kind of plot holes that are created by adapting it. They're happy with, with what it is. So that's why I'm like, get rid of the final song because nobody actually would care. You know yeah. what I mean? Nobody would care. Um, so as, I think as long as she flew... Mm-hmm. that i think people would because that is more iconic than the song she's flying to mm-hmm. that's fair right yeah um yeah so that th- these are my thoughts uh <laughs> <laughs> all the uh, all the harry belafonte stands are going to come out of the woodwork for you jimmy mm. this is it there are actually there's droves <laughs> there are droves um be- before we move on i do want to just touch briefly mm-hmm. um on this so you're saying that uh here uh a statement from tommy nolan I reject the notion that this musical is subversive in its existence. Ah, yes. I have seen... Uh, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second, but I've seen yeah, a lot so, of so like meta, meta rhetoric around this musical that, like, you know, in in the same sort of way that I, you see the same sort of stuff about Rocky Horror um, or some of these, you know, cult classic style pieces um, where that, like... Beetlejuice is rejecting the status quo and, you know, feels individual because it does things different and unique and in a weird way. Um, I've seen a lot of, like, a lot of think pieces that, like, Beetlejuice succeeds because it's weird and it breaks the norms. And I have bad news for musical theater analysis, but it doesn't. 
you know, you like one for one, you can compare this musical to the recent stage adaptation of Willy Wonka, also from Warner Brothers Theatrical. Like, based on a movie where you don't see the title character for a very long time, but now that it's a musical, he walks out on stage, introduces himself, and tells you it's a musical before he takes whisks you away to his fantastical world where, you know, murder and death abounds, but in a silly way. Like, there's a lot of similarities there. Um, and there is this kind of... Like, this is a thing I think we see a lot in contemporary pop culture, is the the selling of anarchy the marketization of anarchy and i you know the the analysis that if if you're in a world where you're like yeah in beetlejuice is different you've been taken by that marketing ploy that's what they that's what they want you to think right beetlejuice is not subversive in this musical perhaps his existence perhaps the character perhaps the idea of beetlejuice is subversive but this is still at the en- at the end of the day you can still buy a Beetlejuice plushie in the lobby. And you know th- it it is a, it is a remarkable irony when yeah. these sort of things happen that things that are considered to be icons of rebellion um subverting the norms and crassness, you know, then you can go to Hot Topic and buy a Beetlejuice shirt. Right. I yeah, you've really hit the nail on the head there I think because at the end of the day, it was made because it's a franchise. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's made because it has iconic right. marketing potential. Yeah. It's black and white and green. Yeah. That's yeah. not been done before. Yeah. And, right? right? And like, not not to dismiss the genius of the adaptation, not to dismiss the, the, you know, art. the art of it, because they did a good Absolutely. job with the story. Absolutely. But it is, like, this is one of the problems with, some of these, you know, big producing names coming yeah. into or really taking it like taking full control over media production is they always have something more to sell you. Exactly. To say it's the little musical that could is wrong. Yeah. No. There's a huge, you know, huge publicity department behind this thing. And, exactly. You know, hey, should we talk about them? Let's yeah, jump on my segue. We haven't used that in a while. <laughs> We haven't. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need that demon. The three of us alone can wreck that evening. Together we can make a grown man weep. Guys got a dinner date to keep. Okay, so what's the plan? Teach dad a lesson. He's got a freak when we possess him. So he wants the perfect daughter. I'll lead that lamb to slaughter. Do you know, actually, I listened to an old episode of ours. Yeah. Um, and I think you said it, it every single segue. <laughs> yeah. Like in total about five or six times. And yeah. I'm so There I, you go. I'm happy. We're really pushing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're really wanting that on a t-shirt. That's what's, yeah, that's our, that's our t-shirt. It's both of us writing a segue. Exactly. Speaking of merch and franchise. I know, right? <laughs> Uh, um, Jimmy, yes. Warner Brothers theatrical in the news recently. Have you heard about this? Do tell. In some uh, investor call recently, like you know, post COVID, um, some executive 
murmured something along the lines of that Warner Brothers is thinking about reapproaching its uh, 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 approach. That's not what he said, I'm sure, but like reevaluating <laughs> their theatrical branch. Um, wow. And they've had to backpedal a whole bunch by saying like, no, 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 we're not getting rid of it. We just have to rethink it a little bit. And like, I think... Warner Brothers Theatrical is the epitome of rethinking themselves. How many productions do you think Warner Brothers Theatrical has made, Jimmy? A lot. Eight. Well, to be honest, that's a lot. It is a lot. Second only, probably, to Disney, as far as a corporation is concerned. As and far that's, as a corporation. And that's the whole idea. How many of those, Tommy, have been successes? Uh, you mean you didn't see Lestat? <laughs> Oh, sadly not. I've actually listened to Lestat. Yeah? Is it any good? Yeah. I've not listened to it. How about Dr. Schwago? I have also listened to it. Actually, there's some nice moments in Dr. Schwago. Really? <laughs> yeah, but it's not my thing. It's so true. Anyway, um, yes. No, this is it. I mean, Misery. Yeah. You remember when that Misery oh, happened of, like, stupid. God. Um, but, so, you know, A Christmas Story. Um, which I do love A Christmas Story. We have covered. They also did Elf. Um, uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, as we've mentioned, Bridges of Madison County, and um, The Curious Incident, uh, which is a fascinating addition to this whole bevy. Now, that's the thing. is like that when I saw that that was them, I was like, how yeah. on earth? But not in the sense of how on earth did you do that? How on earth did you get everything else so wrong? Right. Yeah. <laughs> because Curious Incident is like runaway success, mm-hmm. extremely high quality production, extremely brilliant marketing. Yeah. Um, like endless potential yeah like it will always run yeah it, how on earth did everything else go through <laughs> it, it is fascinating and so like you know warner brothers the the story goes warner brothers theatrical got into or sorry warner brothers theater ventures i think is their yeah, proper yeah. name right venture now. being the operative word by the way let's right. let's have a go <laughs> yeah exactly um they absolutely you know got into the game because of how successful disney was with like beauty and the beast and some of their yeah. early productions and warner yeah. brothers was like we can do that um but the, uh, apparently they can't <laughs> i know i know i just but it's, it's one of those things it's it, it, I think there's a world, right, mm-hmm. where it could work. Yeah. But the world isn't Broadway. We've we've started talking about this a little more about yeah. like the the alternate Broadway world. Yeah. Um, that isn't run by Disney. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I do, and it perhaps we're moving that way. Like the the it's it's shrouded in mystery, but you can still get uh, bits and pieces of some of the demo tapes for Batman the musical. Right. Um, which was gonna be like the the um the Tim Burton Batman was yeah, gonna not be the holy f- musical, right? Was gonna be the first um uh Warner Brothers theatrical ventures venture, um and if you listen to bits and pieces, it's not great. It's but, really bad. But there's a world where it could be. I think. Yeah, like there is a world for like B musicals. Yeah, and I think that's the kind of thing that Warner Brothers are attempting to constantly produce but the the thing that they come up against is commercialism yeah and it they just they're not i don't feel like the the shows that they're producing have that huge commercial appeal that something like disney like disney yeah. is a behemoth like right. it is everyone instantly recognizes it as a family brand whereas warner brothers doesn't you don't instantly picture that because you know Warner Brothers films right. could be 
yeah charlie and chocolate factory but they also could be i don't know insert r-rated warner brothers film here right i think that's also the thing is like it says disney's lion king it doesn't say warner brothers is beetlejuice right like disney especially with their own productions leans in a lot more saying like hey 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 it's a disney show which then they don't, you know, Disney has a couple other sleeper shows that they don't market as Disney shows. Um, yes. Which has been their, you know, that's their MO, not just on Broadway, but, you know, through their publishing and Absolutely. all sorts of their syndication stuff. Like, it's well, smart. At, it's nowadays, smart. it's all Disney once you dive down deep enough. Um, but <laughs> it, might not, it might not start with the When You Wish Upon a Star Castle Zoom Out because they yep. don't, you know, this isn't a Disney-branded musical. Um but I do think, you know, that brand recognition, it's an interesting thing to discuss. And when you have, like, the other thing that is wild is, like, Warner Brothers shows aren't failing because there is, like, a, a, a you know, secret cabal of Warner Brothers executives behind it that are asking for script rewrites and stuff. In the same way that there is a secret cabal of Disney executives who are asking for rewrites on their musicals. Right. I mean, right. maybe maybe that is the difference. Maybe Warner Brothers needs that ghostwriting team to... But then know. the thing is, is like Disney are just good at stuff like that. Like yeah. for some, like Disney have that magical fairy dust yeah. um, with the Imagineers and the many magical things that they do. Like they are just good at finding good people. Right. Right? And people have a passion. Because I think it is just because people grew up with Disney Mm -hmm. and they want to do literally everything they can to make a good product, like a good Disney-shaped product. Um, Like, to me, it's it it can't be any coincidence that everything they do, everything they touch turns to gold. Mm -hmm. Like, it it really can't. So, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just that thing. It's like, oh, there's that theater stuff. We should get in on that. Right. Don't really know anything about it, but yeah, let's go for it. Um, because I do just think, particularly if you look at Beetlejuice Chocolate Factory, mm-hmm. both of those could have been like genuinely sensational. I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I think Beetlejuice is substantially better than Chocolate Factory. I mm-hmm. will say that. Yeah. Um, but neither they just don't hit that mark. They don't hit that like ah yeah this is quality like i will come back and see that again and again and again yeah that you get with something like lion king i mean like yeah mary poppins like these are timeless right and are gonna last forever but it does it makes you wonder why and i think it is it's somewhere in that that grayscale between uh, like that surrounds adaptation Mm -hmm. like how how much and how little how you know how much do you deviate from the original source material which is yeah. ironic because beetlejuice lampshades that whole thing whereas like do you mm. know what does really deviate from the original source material lion king <laughs> it's so the stage production is so wildly different from the animated yeah. movie hunchback right like so Mary different Poppins. yeah like like they really really do um yeah I, it's, it's it is an interesting comparison and um that's really interesting that they have been uh, having those thoughts yeah. about post-COVID <laughs> theater ventures. Um, <laughs> just, yeah, I, d- I don't know. I think it might be the right decision. Yeah. Them, well, we it is. I mean, the the and certainly the future of everything is a little uncertain right now, but the future of Broadway has been in this weird transitionary period ever since Lion King came to 
New York and Disney cleaned up Times Square. Totally, exactly. And, and like once the big money started showing up in these shows, it's it has had a, a profound effect on what art is. Mm-hmm. And for for all of these franchise motivations, and, and perhaps in direct contrast to the assertion I made mere minutes ago about how Beetlejuice isn't subversive, the fact that it still has the flavor of subver- subversiveness that you can still read a little bit into that, um, mm. that that still can exist on Broadway, I don't know, is, is interesting. And be successful I think on Broadway. Be, I think if Beetle just was subversive, yeah. I'd be so much more passionate about it. That's true. If it was, right? if it was Rocky it Horror, successful. I don't think it'd be successful at all. No, but I would be like, love this, yeah. want to see more, god damn why is broadway so clean (laughs) right exactly right and it is it's this it's this it comes back to this weird thing of like where's this other universe Mm -hmm. where we can have uh where things can just be a bit off kilter yeah and for that to be really cool and fun and exciting yeah and lauded critically um whereas it just it it, it can't happen it physically can't happen on broadway yeah it's almost like but you know the where the the out of town tryouts were a little more, you know, dick joke happy. Like I imagine there's also something lost when you family friendly up some of that crassness. Yeah, I agree. Because I think the reason why it probably didn't work in Washington is because they had their eyes on Broadway. So for the most part, it was a lovely commercial Broadway musical with some dick jokes thrown in. Right. Whereas if you went full Deadpool, right. Like it would probably be really great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but like, hey. yeah, I mean, you know, like something Avenue Q lands, like something, mm. you know, really diving into like, yeah, we're a musical, but we're going to say fuck a lot and not just exactly. three times in the show. Um, yes. Yeah. Cause, and that's, I guess that thing is like, you know, p- critics will say like, hey, what about Book of Mormon? Hey, what about Avenue Q? Um, absolutely. These things do exist because there needs to be a need for them. You can't have everything squeaky clean. Right. Um, but to be the next one yeah in easy kid well and i do this is, will not be a well-formed thought um <laughs> B- book of mormon and avenue q both capitalize on their crassness because they have a shiny exterior and like the crassness goes against your expectation for the thing whether it's a sesame street puppet show or something about mm. mormons um beetlejuice isn't that right beetlejuice has cockroaches crawling out of it and to, to, it's almost like Beetlejuice is the opposite. Like be, then you go in and it is a little fluffy, and you can get a plush of Beetlejuice in the lobby. You know, you can't get a plush of Elder Price in the lobby. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's just a. Although you can get a plush of the the Magical Aids Frog. So, <laughs> excellent. What does that mean? Um, but yeah, I think let's talk a little bit about what actually happened with Beetlejuice. Sure. Um, so. I feel like everyone. I feel like everyone probably knows about this. You know it's, a, mean? it's it's a wild it story. A it's a it's a good example of you know some of the weird intricacies of how the Broadway machine works. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Beetlejuice, uh, opened didn't do hugely well critically. I would say like mixed. Yeah. Very mixed reviews. Like a solid mixed. And um, and especially early on, hadn't found its audience. I would say. Yes. Absolutely, and it like its audience isn't the traditional Broadway audience. Yes, right. That yeah. isn't, and what we're seeing at the moment is that there is a tilt. There's a change happening, and mm-hmm. you know, the kids are coming. Right. Um. They're not there yet. So yeah. at the moment, like that opening thing, and especially in the run up to Tony season, mm-hmm. where 
people are wanting to see the next big hit. Right. Um, it, it, Beetlejuice wasn't going to be that. But yeah. it got eight nominations. Yeah. It didn't win any. Yeah. Um, and that didn't do it any favours. Right. Um, apparently, after Tony's, it had a little spike, mm-hmm. obviously, as I think a lot of shows do yeah. after their telecast. And it was a good telecast, I must say. Yeah, they did I a great job. I liked their performance. Yeah. Um, but uh, they had two rough weeks in May. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where they didn't make the threshold yeah. uh, for what they had to make by the Schubert organization who run the theater. Um, and because of that, uh, they were kind of in the firing line. Yeah. And uh, the Schuberts decided to, to shoot uh, because they got a lovely email from whoever uh, being like, hi, uh, we want the Winter Garden for Hugh Jackman, please. And exactly. they're like, <laughs> you're like yes, absolutely, please. you can well, have the Winter Garden for it, Hugh Jackman. It's worth it, you know, if you're just consuming musicals as an art form, it's easy to forget that for producers and theaters, a lot of play production is just a series of math problems. Right. You know, how big is our house? How much does every ticket cost? How many days are there in May? How much does it cost to pay everyone to work here? you know put an equal sign between and if the thing doesn't balance out then you got to start making some business decisions exactly exactly and that's the thing so they made this decision they had in their contract um what is called i thought i'd written it there a stop clause a stop clause um which means that they can say you're stopping yeah ba- um, I mean, basically it's an eviction notice it's yeah, an eviction notice it's a, it's a it's a closing clause i imagine you know that's what happens pretty much when any show closes right you're you're yeah. not going to meet your futures you're not you know ticket sales look bleak and at some point that line dips below whatever threshold yeah. it is and that's and what when it you've is. got a big thing coming in who wants because the winter right. is a good spot like yeah. that is come on yeah it's right in the heart of it you can't get more heart um yeah so that that you know i mean that had a big target on its back already right. yeah um what i guess was unprecedented mm-hmm. was the fact that suddenly the numbers start creeping up right <laughs> and uh in a very lovely, coincidental, beautiful art way, yeah. um, Beetlejuice comes back to life. Right. Suddenly starts seeing this weird and bizarre popularity spike that didn't, that I would imagine doesn't, didn't jive with the normal models of how these things work. Right. Otherwise, the Winter Garden wouldn't have kicked them out. Exactly. Like, if that, it's one of those things, like, if that renaissance, I guess, mm-hmm. happened... In those two weeks in June, if it happened a couple of weeks earlier, yeah, we might not even be having this discussion, and, and Beetlejuice would be like a solid mainstay of Broadway, right? Which is a weird thing to say. Um, they did a couple of other things in in light of this, and they did things like they lowered the ticket price, mm-hmm. um, to try and make the audience more accessible because they saw that the audiences were getting a bit younger, um, and they were like, "Hang on, we're getting a new fame here." Mm-hmm. Um, we're beating around the bush. Right. Right. <laughs> but there's one particularly big reason. Well, and it did it put Beetlejuice in a weird position where they had an eviction date but not a closing date. Where the futures for the show were actually headed up and people wanted to see the show, but mm-hmm. they couldn't stay in their theater anymore. 
which doesn't mm. happen. Normally, you're getting kicked out of your theater because you're not making money, and no one else wants you, wants to home you. Exactly. It's like there's no there's no real business decision as to, like, well, we should probably move house. Like, right. there's none of that. It's just you, yeah. you become homeless. Right. <laughs> and, like, you, there are other things, like Lion King has moved theaters a bunch of times because of other calculations like this, but yeah. not because they were seeing declining ticket sales. No. Not at all. And not so, all. It, you know, there's a there's a great commercial um, with Alex Brightman that aired in New York where he's, you mm. know, it's like, Beetlejuice is getting evicted, but we're still searching for a new home. And that's a wild thing. That doesn't happen yeah. to shows. Exactly. And it was pretty much, it's, it's weird. There's there's so much like yes, no hearsay nonsense going on because it's, it's behind the scenes, right. behind closed doors contract stuff. But they had pretty much been given a new theatre mm-hmm. um, where the inheritance was. I can't remember the name of it. Um, and that was that was going to happen at some point yeah. probably yeah um and then <laughs> right and then, yeah the, was closed. the world turned upside down and broadway closed um, right and it puts beetlejuice in the, the bizarre situation of having closed during a global pandemic without having a closing night performance yeah and because that's like there's a cruel irony that Cuomo did of being like, right. <laughs> we're gonna open the theaters up on June the seventh. Yeah, Beale just closes on June the sixth. Yeah, that's harsh. Yeah, it, it, it's, that's harsh. It's right? wild. And I don't think the theaters are gonna open on the. No, I don't think anyway. they will open. But, but it at does, that point, that's <laughs> well, and it does raise, and you know, all of this is up in the air. There's talk right now that like, you know, technically the 2020 Tonys are postponed. I mm-hmm. bet you they're gonna be canceled. Um. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that Beetlejuice might get a post-pandemic revival immediately, yeah. perhaps yeah. with the same cast and certainly the same set. And like, yeah, absolutely. it'll be to call it a revival would be a wild, a wild piece of nomenclature because it, it won't be. It's the same production. Yeah. It's just gone into this kind of like torpor yeah. where it's in this weird hibernation Um. But it's a really tricky one to keep alive, in. right? Yeah, because and it, the, and like and the big question of like, will the futures that this musical saw pre-pandemic remain the same at all in in the aftertimes? Right. It's a really, but also we're not in a world. You know, I I think this is one of the the saddest things about art right now is just like everything else, it has hit a standstill. But all art needs a really big runway. You know, you can't just open a show tomorrow. And so yeah. when we can open a show tomorrow, we, we're going to have to pick and choose the things that can just open right up. And Beetlejuice exactly. is one of those things. Exactly. It's all just sitting and, there. Um, there's an audience. Right. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about that audience? Oh, man. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Jimmy, have you downloaded TikTok? No. I'm proud of you. So- Thank you. Thank you so much. So right. <laughs> Especially at the moment. There's been so many times where I'm like, I I think I need to be on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> where I'd be like, this is probably what the people want. Um, I don't know who these people are. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> but I think they want it. Um it's it's crazy. This is this has been the thing that has made me feel my age. Yeah. Right? Because I I got Snapchat. Yeah. I understood that. Yeah. Um this is this eludes me to no end. Yeah, I don't get it, Te- Tommy. Tell me, describe to me your understanding of TikTok. Right. I think this will be fascinating. So my my understanding of TikTok has come through researching Beetlejuice. Like <laughs> I knew, like I knew, and I've got a couple of friends that are on it and do the dances and stuff like that. I was saying, like eight year old man, <laughs> um, and that's that's all fun of games. And yes, it, it, it's quite compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, okay, so let's see, because obviously, you know, Beetle just took over TikTok. Let's see all all these shenanigans that are getting up to on TikTok. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's just some kids, quite mediocrely lip syncing to songs. <laughs> Those are dangerous words you just strung together. I don't together. care. That's what it is. <laughs> like I watch like the best TikToks, uh-huh. like the best Beetle just TikToks. One of them is this like curly haired, I don't know, like fourteen year old guy, who's literally just. Eating chewing gum, right? Uh-huh. And lip syncing to uh, the Say My Name one, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And I was like, where's the hike? Why, are, why have you got like a million views on this? That's TikTok. There is nothing quality about this. You've turned <laughs> this out, little child. Um, I'm sure it's probably one of the biggest fixed TikToks I've ever heard of here. Like, um, I couldn't get it. And so this, this is like... I'm very confused right now. Oh, that's so fun. I, I mean, in my, in my ongoing endeavor to be the cool teacher, and air quotes, um, I, I have tried and I think succeeded in understanding what TikTok is. Um, I, w- I, like, I will say, first of all, it is genuinely addicting to watch TikTok. Um, well, th- I mean, that's a signal. It's the most currently like addicting and manufactured soul. Yeah. That like, wasn't English, but <laughs> right, but created you know to I mean? keep you in your phone and keep you scrolling. Right, you know, even dark. even more than like the Instagram dark pattern. Um, and like these these are things that social media is doing right now. That ev- that all, the internet's been trying to do, perhaps in the shadows, even more so five years ago. But now yeah. they're just blatant about like that. You know, Skinner box reward. Like, how do you keep you know how do you keep them yeah. pushing the fun button as much as possible yeah. so that they stay on your platform for as long as possible to make them buy Cheerios. Um, and so, like, TikTok has certainly figured that out. And it, you know, lives as a spiritual successor to Vine, and, like, it has this kind of self-showcase thing. I did, I was talking um, uh, with a bunch of uh, the kids I teach about TikTok a while back, and one of, one of my juniors said, I think, one of the most poignant things <laughs> I've ever heard a junior say, and I hear kids say awesome things all the time, mm. but one of their big problems with TikTok is it is a, a commodification of one of the last sacred spaces that teenagers have like you know their bedrooms their dining room tables and like 
already from when we were in high school to now when kids are in high school, their alone time has gone away in a bunch of ways. Like you don't leave your friends at school. Your friends come home with you in your pocket. Um, you know, you can constantly be talking with them and creating drama with them. And it moves at a mile a minute, which isn't great for anyone's brain, much less the teenage brain. But now TikTok adds this one extra layer of like, oh, man, you're doing nothing right now. You could be getting famous on TikTok. Why aren't you getting famous on TikTok by, you know, making a toilet paper hat and dancing to a new song in front of your mirror? Like you you could be you could be making content right now, which is such a like what a you know, I I feel that terrible poisonous motivation in a much more old-timey way every day. I can't right. imagine like thinking like, oh, well, at the very least, you could be popular amongst your friends by creating right. funny TikToks. It's so easy. It's only six seconds. Go make one, right? That's a terrible little devil on your shoulder. It is absolutely horrific. And I mean, like, to the, to the fact where it literally creeps into my brain where I was like, I should be doing this. I, I don't have it. Yeah. I don't care about it. And now yeah. I know what it is or certainly what does well in it. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. That's crap. But like this weird, like manufactured FOMO of TikTok. Yeah. It's fascinating. Absolutely. Um, so like Beetlejuice and TikTok is a, a weird relationship. Still, it, it does baffle me. I don't, I actually don't get it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm want someone to write an essay on it. Please, <laughs> there, has. there are a bunch. They're not going to explain it well to you though. <laughs> Fair. I, but that's, I just feel like it's, it came out, it came out of nowhere. Like, yeah. where did it come from? Because I don't think it started with Presley Ryan being in Beetlejuice. Yeah. I think it started from the, the songs. Yeah. And that they're a little catchy and that it is, you know, Beetlejuice was a popular contemporary musical with teens, certainly. With the with teens in the know, with musical theater nerds. With uh uh-huh, yeah, stagey kids, yeah. And and like I see how stagey kids would be the kind of kids who have TikTok and would be the kinds of kids who would be into Beetlejuice because it is the thing now. In the same way that yes. there are, you know, Heather's TikToks. Like Right, Heather, six. Like Yeah, like that sort of stuff happens. But Beetlejuice I think I think the tipping point is Beetlejuice happened to have one of the, happened to be one of the only shows positioned where its marketing department was aware of it and then could start building up that sort of thing, like right. you know d- tweaking the levers to make it a little more popular on TikTok and you know yeah. pay vulture.com to write an article about how popular it is on TikTok, right? And yeah. like kind of create that echo chamber. Not not implying that, you know, marketing was like astroturfing this sort of thing. But there is a way in which you can kind of, you know, poke and prod at it here and there to make this sort of thing a little more popular than it would have been left to its uh-huh. own virality. I guess that's it. It's like what I'm trying to work out is like, why Beetlejuice? Yeah. You I, know think what I mean, like that is... It's that manufactured subversiveness that has mass appeal to teenagers. Like that's... Especially today... But, uh... The 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 vein the vein it's not vein <laughs> I, can't call, I miss vein uh, the <laughs> the song that everyone is doing yeah is that say my name bit where it's like beetle yeah right beetle or whatever I can't remember what the actual yeah. line is yeah um Beetlejuice 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 um like it it what's appealing like it's the, you, I, in the it, context of the show, that bit is 
like ah it's a chuckle but it's the idea of it and the fact that you can perform that section pretty well without <laughs> while still chewing gum and being a 14 year old in your bedroom right I like, mean, like I, or I by guess, doing a, a fun makeup trick with green and red lights like right you know, uh-huh. and that's the sort but of I thing i don't know i think for me i'm just like there's like all musicals are performed <laughs> like, right like it's and i get i do get why there's a huge um like the broadway kids are on tiktok because it is you just you're saying and right it's music based like right. it came from music and they're, they're absolutely the sort of kids who are already inclined to perform any second they get right totally and that's fab and i think that's a good there's a good it's good that there's an outlet for yeah. that um but where has this kind of like like truncation come from yeah that has caused these people who have no idea yeah. that this is from beetlejuice the musical to you know i mean like badly I, think, I, I honestly think it is it's the it is it is a different flavor of the sort of thing we talk about all the time about mm. how it allows a non-Broadway audience to engage with a Broadway musical in a way that feels really meaningful and very tactile um, in a way that's not just, you know, talking to your friends about the fun musical, but like actually showing and creating and physicalizing your love for this show. And I think there mm. is something to that. You know, we feel that all the time about these shows that we talk so much about that we don't have the chance to see. And the, for in this w weird bizarre set of circumstances teenagers were presented both with a show that somehow like it's it's like okay boomer the musical in a bunch of ways which is super appealing to teens nowadays and mm. they have found this platform that allows them to you know privately amongst their peers divulge their love to this thing in a way that is kind of flavored subversively in a way that feels like they're breaking the rules which tickles another part of the teenage brain like i think mm. this creates sort of the perfect storm of appeal for a beetlejuice fandom expressed via tiktok but that's the thing as it's transcended the beetlejuice fandom it's now just it's like a tiktok entity yeah yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not Beetlejuice fans aren't going on and doing making TikToks. Yeah. Like Trisha Paytas mm -hmm. is making do you know what I mean? She doesn't care about Beetlejuice. No. She doesn't you know what I mean? She doesn't like I, I appreciate Trisha Paytas has an interesting relationship with musical theater. <laughs> I appreciate that. But like, come on. It's it's really weird. It, yeah. Right? Am I am I am I, I wrong think, in thinking that? It, it, I think it is the we are seeing the beginning of the new normal of Broadway. I I love it. <laughs> Do, like I absolutely adore it because it is proving that these pieces exist beyond the you know New York critics bounds mm -hmm. and controls. I mean, when mm -hmm. we were at BroadwayCon, we commented on it. By mm. and large, the most popular cosplay was Beetlejuice, and mm. you know variations of and. Like one of the fascinating things that we talked about at BroadwayCon is it is a Broadway industry event for non-Broadway industry people, which mm -hmm. is a really fascinating dichotomy. That like it's, yeah. it's it's for the fans by the marketers, and they want different things from each other. They really do. They really really do. And it, it and Beetlejuice is one where they're able to capitalize it, or they were because it was still open. Mm. But like you know, there was no reason to capitalize on 
Guys and Dolls at BroadwayCon because there's nothing I can market to you through Guys and Dolls. But Guys and Dolls <laughs> might be my favorite musical ever, and I'm at BroadwayCon, so I'm going to dress up as Nicely Nicely Johnson. Right. Yeah. Right? And so that's it's a, it's, it's a problem. And <sighs> I think one of the things, you know, it is, it is bizarre that Beetlejuice, this thing we have uh, uh, lambasted for being a little too commercial, has become more commercial than itself. People yeah. people want to be sold things about Beetlejuice that the Beetlejuice entity can't sell them, right? Like, uh-huh. I think that's also one of the bizarre problems with its popularity on TikTok. Tons of those kids will never see the show and will never give a red cent to Warner Brothers, right? And so yeah. Warner Brothers is stuck in this weird position where it's like, how do we make money off of our thing and its popularity, but we can't... You know, like we can't go on tour right now. We can't find a way to sell this show to the kids mm-hmm. who want it beyond mm-hmm. their Spotify listens. Um, yeah, it's an it's interesting. Funny you problem. say it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for musical theater. I don't. Do I, you? I think it's going to be a slow burn. Um, but it, you know, I, it started with it started with Hamilton's explosive popularity, and they did, and they have found the way to capitalize on it. And now we're going to get the cinematic release of the original Broadway cast, right? Yes. That wouldn't have happened if it didn't have its explosive popularity. And because this is now a new trend line that marketers can see as a possibility, they're going to start preparing for it. But I think this is what I'm worried about. Yeah. Because it's interesting that I'm going to jump on your analogy um, of the, the, the child that talked about the commodification mm. of their bedroom yeah um or their dining table whatever um like now broadway isn't on broadway i know right yeah and broadway i, I realize this is kind of in contrast to what I, so I, i'm taking broadway back i mean musical theater sure um and what i'm worried about mm-hmm. is that it's like hang on I can be a runaway commercial success. Yeah. Even if I don't get on a stage in New York. Yeah. Okay. How do I do that? Yeah. I appeal to kids. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to write that. Yeah. But that... And so... Sure. The, the worry that I have is that it's not producers mm-hmm. that are doing this now. It goes down to the point where it's like, I need to write the next TikTok hit. Sure. What's my TikTok song? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I want song is out the window. It's what's the TikTok song? Yeah. That's the fear that I have. I, 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 I see that. I think what I find exciting, and, and I don't disagree. Like, I think we're going to see, mm. uh, God, I can't think of the name of it. What was that um, show about teenage suicide that kids found so popular? Like, Heathers? No, the, the television show. I keep oh, coming. Thirteen reasons why. Thirteen reasons why. I kept thinking yeah. eight simple rules, and that's a different. <laughs> very, very, very yeah. different. Um, but like Love thirteen, that. thirteen's reason reasons why, or um, what's the one with the Sprouse kid in it? See, this is now how old I am. Riverdale. Riverdale. Like I've we're... got you on this. There Thank you. Go. you. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna see now because of this Riverdale the musical or you know thirteen reasons why the musical because of that sort of thing but that you know this this is something that 
started back in Spring Awakening is the appealing to teenagers, right? Absolutely, absolutely. But it it was from an artistic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like there was still like artistic thought going into these things. Yeah. When your thing is this kind of mass appeal, six seconds, sell, 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 like this, like, and I think it's rancid. I don't like it. I yeah. don't like this fast paced. You've got 240 characters. You've got six seconds. Right. Sell me your thing. Yeah. That is, you know, literally being programmed into children's brains. Yeah. Um, when it does. I, it, I don't it, like that because that doesn't fit a musical theater. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Thought and it line. is, it is, it is the tightrope because I do think generally teenagers know when they're being pandered to except when they don't <laughs> like right and i i think that is that you you're right that's the trap that we might fall into and it yeah, depends on how, like, how good or bad people will be at it i feel like i'm only just waking up to how addicted i am to my phone mm, sure um, and you know i mean i'm slowly but surely working through that and deleting things yeah um and it, it, when you're when you're young and it's literally what you're birthed with right you don't you don't realize it you don't because it's it's one of yeah. the same to you you don't yeah. remember the before but there is no before but is there i guess th- this is you know the thesis question is it wrong to like something just because it was written for you to like it that isn't what i mean though it just means that like um i am a producer and i am looking for the next duck that mm-hmm. i'm gonna make sure am i gonna look at this lovely high art piece that sure they've worked very hard with it it's fucking brilliant mm-hmm. but to be honest there's nothing there that i could dilute into six seconds and have someone perform on tiktok so mm-hmm. i'm not gonna go with that whereas this thing over here has that like fun edgy sound yeah that we've heard a lot um it, you know it might be from a franchise about like that like sure I'll, I'll go with that yeah like uh, i may be being very cynical here absolutely but i think it's a it's just a trend that just seems to continue on and uh, i think it's gonna like this there's like broadway.com generation that we've talked about right right of of the kids and like spring awakening fantastic and it, it did birth a new vibe on mm-hmm. broadway and it did bring a lot of new people to it and that is fantastic um but it's now kind of getting ahead of itself and it's realizing what it can be and that when it gets self-referential that's when yeah no that's fair falls apart i don't know yeah um yeah i'd yeah it's it's tricky because like obviously my dream is everyone loves musical theater and everyone creates musical theater and everyone Mm -hmm. analyzes musical theater and discusses it there's my utopia um but what i wonder is all these kids who are you know Beetle just made me fall in love with musical theater. Beetle just makes me want to be an actor. I've seen these things, yeah, and it's like, and I found it on TikTok. Like for these kids, yeah, who are saying that, you know, five years down the line, what what are world they gonna are they going to be, be? Yeah, like are they going to be <laughs> right? Are they going to be purchasing textbooks on musical theater because it's a hobby, right? Like or or like what art are they going to create if this is their right, entry point exactly. into it or are they gonna keep looking for the things that are easy because I, I mean again i may be being cynical here these people might be instantly going away and listening to passion and be like right. god yeah <laughs> like donna murphy she's the best 
perhaps. <laughs> um, but I wonder, are these kids who say, I love music theatre, music theatre is the best, is it the same when we were falling in love with music theatre, where it was like, I love music theatre, Wicked's the best. Right. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's like, yes, love it, but remember, yeah. there's a whole other, like, 50, th- 60, 70 think, years of, of stuff I there. I think that'll happen, because I remember being, I love musical theatre, Wicked's the best. Yeah, yeah, but... I, <laughs> My senior, I don't know. my senior it's year tricky, of high school. It's trickier now. Yeah. It's trickier now to not be handed. Right. The because the, the next m- thing that you have to love because the marketing is so subversive to the thing right. down to the creation of the thing. Right. Yes. Yes. And we're better at it now. Like to to go back, the original Willy Wonka movie was mostly sponsored by Nestle. Like it's a it's a <laughs> two hour long commercial for candy. Yeah. With some songs thrown in. Now, the songs are great, and the movie is beloved, right? Is it poisonous that it was, you know, made by the Quaker Oats Company? Right. uh, I know, I know, I don't know. I don't know, I just worry, like... I worry, I do worry. Yeah. Uh, But again, it's probably a losing battle anyway, because... I, certainly we've fostered a lovely community in the podcast right and we know the nerds are out there absolutely yeah. it's great um but i would love to find a way that we can birth new nerds right <laughs> like yeah i want new and i don't think that is going to come through watching six second videos of people mediocrely lip-syncing sure. to say my name from beeldrius yeah it might you know, people end up in musical theater in weird ways i think the thing that would make me more comfortable is like I wish they had to put the Warner Brothers logo on the marquee. I wish, like, you know, it's okay to be marketed to as long as there's a little asterisk in the corner and you know. Like, yeah. let, and, and, to, and to still allow that art to happen. You know, that's the whole um, uh, industrials uh, uh, history of Broadway, right? Like, Maytag washing machines, Maytag washing machines is a terrible song but kept a bunch of composers employed, right? And so this this kind of tenuous balance between corporate overlords and the art makers, right? Yeah. Christian Borle w- w- made a lot of money off of Willy Wonka. Absolutely. And it allows him to do other great things and star in seven right. shows at once on Broadway. You know? Alex Brightman has taken a big old break from acting. He's now just going back to Oklahoma and writing because yeah. of Beetlejuice. Right, and there's nothing wrong with that. I know, and it's it's <laughs> it is hard to to. Do you know what it, it's that. just that thing? It's just that thing. It's like there there is so much out there that's really really good, and it won't get a look in because they focus more on the craft than the marketing. Yeah, and that's the. Th- I think that's the thing because I'm like. That's a shame. That's but I, not. But I guess that's not how it should be. I done. guess until we have a world where all of the, until people who write Broadway musicals are closer to Disney Channel stars, where they're like, mm. you know, made in a test tube and manufactured from birth, I'm still kind of okay with it. Be, like the Disney sound is Alan Menken, and there's no way Aladdin or any of his other shows would have sounded as good or he would have been even picked up by Disney if Little Mm -hmm. Shop wasn't awesome. Mm -hmm. 
And so these, it's not like Bob Iger is writing Mary Poppins the musical, right? They're still yeah. picking up on talent and giving them a, a, a place to express within their corporate bounds, and they still get to push those bounds a little bit and find mm-hmm. ways to you know live within the art form. Mm-hmm. And like in the, it's the, it's the Broadway world we're stuck in because these shows are expensive now. Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe that's it. Maybe we like if we've talked about it this episode about finding the alternate universe. Yeah. Maybe we need to create a pocket wormhole. Yeah. Where we can all jump through I, and find. You know, I I I will say this is this is bittersweet, but the you know, I try to avoid covid talk, but trigger warning for a second. Coming out of this pandemic, theaters are going to be looking for cheaper shows because yeah. we're going to be in a global depression and art is going to be difficult to make and all of these things. And you know, a world of cheaper shows might bode well for some of this stuff, you know, because you don't need pyrotechnics and puppets and, you know, you can just get away with a couple people on stage and a good story mm-hmm. and a couple good songs. And th- that might be kind of nice for a little while. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like out of horrible things comes great art. Yeah. Yeah. That is the eternal pattern. So yeah, maybe I will get to eat my words. I mean, wouldn't it be a couple of years time in, in a decade, we start seeing everyone's quarantine musicals and what wonderful things they were able to come up with. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And maybe they'll literally all be from TikTok. I I will be completely (laughs) wrong. To be honest, I would love to be proven wrong. TikTok, TikTok, the musical. I said we Ooh, said it. Oh, it I, makes me feel sick. I said it out loud. I said it out loud. It's it's you know no. sorry sorry everyone. It'll be six seconds long. I mean nonsense. It'll be it, uh, you... literally with the gum in the mouth. <laughs> I'm so angry. This I'm is so angry. The, what your your TikTok is going to be acting tips for TikTok teens. <laughs> By the way, I would do that because the, my ideas, right? I was like, I would literally be Logan Paul like levels of fame <laughs> like here. <laughs> Because I was like, the quality of the stuff that I've thought of in my head that I would put on TikTok <laughs> far outweighs. Like, I'm like, if that's literally what it takes, I do that on a daily basis. It's all I need to do is stick a camera in front of my face. Jesus. It's the commodification of all your free time. <sighs> Nonsense. Dark. Poor it. <laughs> Hate it. <laughs> can Hate I put it. this? Can I say this out loud? Because we put this in our show notes. Every <clears throat> article about how Beetlejuice is popular amongst teenagers, cites this statistic, and it says that 70.79% of audience members of Beetlejuice are between the ages of 19 and 54, which is a not useful metric. (laughs) It is not. Sorry, 54 to 70-year-olds. This isn't for you. (laughs) The difference between a 54-year-old and a 19-year-old? Exactly. Nonsense. That's wild. Absolute nonsense. I mean, it's literally thirty-five years. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's older than both of us. Right, and and to <laughs> say to say like, and this proves that Beetlejuice has appeal amongst a younger Broadway audience. <laughs> I know, no causation. No, oh no way. Correlation does not equal causation. Or it's more like you just don't need to just say just do the TikTok thing. You don't need to put a statistic. And I'm sure it's because whatever checkbox they have or they're combining two different age groups. Like really it's, you know, 
60% are between 30 and 54 and 10% are between 19 and 29. Right. But if they combine it together to make it 70%, it fe- like, just stop. <laughs> I know. Who are, you, who are you trying to convince? Who's going to look at that statistic and be like, oh, well, I've got to go see Beetlejuice now. <laughs> this, is the, this is the show for the kids. <laughs> the show for the kids. Quick, honey, my cane. <laughs> my 52-year-old children. <laughs> My grown daughter will love Beetlejuice. Yeah, exactly. Is she on TikTok? Probably. <laughs> I like this is a new character I'm developing. It's old, old fogey vaudevillian Broadway audience member. <laughs> we'll get a name for them soon. Come organically. Uh, this will be the 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 long uh, ARG of the, of Jim and Tomics. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Hey, to round it all off, I say, listen, Beetlejuice on its own is real neat um beetlejuice in the world that is created is really scary (laughs) (laughs) some somehow true both of the meta-analysis of beetlejuice and of beetlejuice himself exactly Jimmy, that was Beetlejuice. 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 Be- Beetlejuice. 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 Yes. Three times. I do, oh, hi. I do like hi, Alex. It, I do think it is. <laughs> Alex Prime is here. Oh, look at that. He's right. Oh, I do this voice all the time. Um, did you like my Alex? That's something we didn't get to talk about, actually, was how he does the voice. Very, very smart. If you're interested at all in vocal health and, like, just the voice in general, yeah. I'll put some stuff in the show notes. Fascinating. It is. It, the whole, yeah. His whole performance is fascinating. Yeah. I do think... Yeah, Andy Serkis was like, wish I knew that when I was doing Gollum. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I wish... <laughs> Andy Serkis was like, I wish I auditioned for that part. And now I'm just imagining Andy Serkis as Beetlejuice. Uh, yes. Oh, weirdly, also, Andy Serkis was King Kong. <gasps> Full circle. Full oh my God. circle. Andy Serkis is the king of musical theater. That's what it means. <laughs> you have a quiz question for us. I do. I do indeed. Speaking of Andy Serkis, this movie... No, I'm not talking. <laughs> uh, the movie adaptation of this musical starred Academy Award winner Olivia Coleman and Academy Award nominee Tom Hardy. Wow. Must be... Must, Everyone will have seen it. Must be a biggin. It's huge. 
or is it? Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you absolutely can. And please do hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Jim and Tomic. Or you can check out the show notes in your podcatcher right now or at jimandtomic.com. Um, and while you're there, you can check out our Patreon if you'd like to financially support the show. Thank you, of course, to all of our current patrons. Um, mm. Also, reviews on Apple Podcasts and elsewhere is always fantastic. And we love you all and adore you all. Yeah, you're all the absolute best. Um, but hey, most of all, it really, really helps us out. If you say to your friends, hey, I've been listening to this podcast in lockdown, um, it wails away many, many hours. Uh, <laughs> you should check it out. We've got a, a huge back catalogue that'll kill a whole week if you need it. Literally. Um, so yeah, please tell your friends. That would be fabulous. Absolutely. And hey, thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yes. Let's stop you. Stop.